Today, I'm gonna to show you guys what 2024 is gonna look like. Everybody wants to know. This is gonna be the year a lot of crypto investors make a lot of money. Everything will be tokenized. Driver's licenses, passports, marriage certificates, college degrees, certifications, concert tickets, plane tickets, mortgages, deeds, car titles, adoption papers. I would, I do not, we will not see a hard or soft landing in 2024. The fourth Bitcoin halving in 2024 will see minimal market disruption and a post-halving rise in Bitcoin's price with significant gains for some low-cost miners. We are counting down to finally potential U.S. spot Bitcoin ETF approval and potentially conversion of GBTC from a trust into a physically backed ETF. Welcome to the Money Panda, hosted by Elvis Kolawale. Hello, 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 everyone. You're welcome to the Money Panda, and we are at the end of the year 2023. Would you believe it? <laughs> this year that took so much and um, taught so, 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 so much. Would you actually believe that we're absolutely here? And, um, well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm very glad to have my guest, Brian Norton. Um, today, we are going to talk about the outlook for 2024 and Brian is an experienced writer in the crypto space he publishes a newsletter that I love so much it's called in crypto and he publishes so much other content and lots of his thoughts on different platforms Brian I'm so so glad that you're here and I'm glad that we are where we are and you've not absolutely lost your mind how does it feel uh -huh. not to have lost your mind <laughs> thanks Elvis yeah great to be here and uh, congratulations yeah, most... honestly on not losing your mind. <laughs> yeah, well, we made it through the uh, the one of the toughest bear bear markets on record, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Brian, real quick before we go right in, I'd like you to tell the audience about yourself. You know what your work has been like within the crypto space, where you write, and um, yeah, just a bit of an intro into you. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've been following Bitcoin and crypto pretty much since the beginning, but only as a kind of an interested observer. And then um, during the COVID lockdowns in the UK, quite a lot of my traditional work, which was involved in um, investment outreach communications campaigns for uh, governments in emerging markets, kind of dried up. And I had some time on my hands and decided to do just a, a load of research on crypto and Web3 oh. uh, in lieu of a pivot into the professional pivot into the space. So, yeah, so I've been working in crypto now in terms of writing, copywriting, leadership communications, publishing my own content, et cetera, uh, for the last couple of years. Um, and a highlight was um, being part of a team that put together a report for the Financial Conduct Authority on uh, novel activities in DeFi. Wow. And yeah, that was very interesting because we spoke to a lot of experts off the record. And then we uh, acted as a kind of a, we, we acted as the kind of um, the, uh, you know the sort of the barrier so that they could be frank with us and then yeah it, it was anonymized so the the material that we passed on to the fca wasn't going to uh uh preclude people from speaking their mind basically so we got some very interesting material and uh yeah awesome. it's a, as you know it's a very complicated uh area DeFi and blockchain and blockchain bridges and oracles and so on so it's <laughs> kind of a baptism of fire for me but yeah i continue to learn yeah, all of the complexities of the space. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I love the fact that we absolutely we all continue to learn and and very, very importantly, you are doing something really good, which is, of course, in contributing to policy and um, acting as a, a bit of a filter, I guess, yeah. <laughs> from from the rather frank thoughts of, you know, lo lots of us who tend to think like DGENs, I guess, you know, and, uh, you know, um, creating um, policies that are really fe feasible and make lots of sense, ultimately. So let's get into the meat of this episode. So first things first, I know we, we've had lots of conversations and you've had time to brood about it and you know but i'd like to ask you for you personally what did the year 2023 represent for you you know how what what how does it leave you feeling about the industry as a whole yeah um i mean 2022 was the real year when you know the the everything went down with terra luna and and then subsequently FTX and the wheels came off the bus. And I think, you know, um, and people saying once again, crypto is dead and all the rest of it. So 2023 for me was, well, it was a year that the US tried to take on and kill crypto on one level through mm. the Biden administration and the SEC. Mm. But it was also a time for reflection and um, self-reflection from the industry mm. and cleaning up and getting rid of all the scams and the bad players. I mean, obviously, some scams and some bad players still exist, but I think it was kind of yeah. it was a, represented a kind of coming of age of crypto and, um, you know, maybe a bit like the dot-com bubble burst where VCs were throwing money at, you know, lots of ideas that weren't well thought through and all the rest of it. So 2023 was a necessarily uh, necess necessary cutting away of all the dead wood in crypto, I think. And I feel like we're much stronger as a result. And we've also managed to kind of tackle some of the, uh, you know, regulatory doubt concerning crypto driven by the SEC and so on. They've been put on a, a back foot by overstepping their mandate. Um, so I think we're in a much stronger position going forward um, into wow. 2024. Wow. Yeah. And I think I, I do agree with you. Like on my own side, I think of it like a... Uh like a like a baptism of fire let me let me put it that way you know or sorry not not just that it's a baptism of fire it's the very first baptism of fire where it felt like everyone was watching you know like like there were different times you know for example when mount gox mount gox exchange like went up in flames when you know the ico era like came to an end when you know so many things happened over the last decade and uh lots of people were saying oh yeah crypto is done crypto is done but then i mean at that time it felt like there wasn't so much to lose if crypto was going to be done not so many people cared anyway but then all of a sudden everyone cared everyone from foreign governments to you know enemies of different states to big financial corporations to retail investors everyone was watching this time you know to see if you know the space actually survives this everyone was really watching this baptism of fire live and I think it's For a sure. testament, yeah, and it's, it's a testament that, you know, the space has actually been able to surpass all of this, or at least not, not necessarily surpass, actually survive, just survive, because the survival is really like, it's, yeah. it's a great foundation, foundation for other things. So, yeah, Um. so um. something else I'd like to ask you, what's your biggest prediction for 2024? What do you see happening in 2024? Like, is there... 
is there like yeah. something in particular like a way you see the space going do you think it remains like this you know barely surviving but not exactly exploding you know what, what do you think happens no i mean i think there's a step change really and and you can quite clearly demarcate it between 2023 and 2024 um i mean there are a couple of things really i, th I think the first of which is we're witnessing the you know the the mainstreaming of crypto the arrival of institutional capital we had the those um, guys we had the cme <laughs> open futures index on bitcoin flip binance recently and you know essentially what that means is that institutional capital is now going to dominate crypto it's overtaken retail um and obviously with the arrival of the spot bitcoin etfs everyone is you know it's like a racing certainty now that they arrive um i think you know so we're beyond that point where crypto can be put back in in the box it's here and also the interesting thing is in spite of sbf and all the rest of it and the 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 um the misunderstandings about the differentiation between crypto as a kind of a decentralized universe and centralized players like you know three arrows capital and um ftx and um so on the centralized exchanges um you've you know you've you've also uh, got big companies visa you know ibm yeah um um paypal all um even google seriously now they get their they've had they've got their heads around blockchain and they realize it's not just a flash in the pan and they understand it's not just about magic internet money or speculating on um altcoins or they understand that it's a, a new form of technology which is very powerful in terms of a new internet of value so mm. um and then I think also the other trend for me is a move away from it being a speculative asset class worth, you know, well, after the crash worth kind Are of, you sure? it's, it's now worth what, what 1.4 trillion. No, but I, I predict this as a trend, which is that we're, we're now moving towards um, use cases and utility. You know, we're going to have uh, blockchain ticketing, um, NFTs are going to be maturing into uh, a, a technology and an asset class which isn't governed by pixelated jpegs for example and we'll have things like blockchain gaming we'll have things like decentralized social media so i think we're we're at the beginning of 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 a turn from crypto being a, spec, a purely speculative asset class into actually being some something that has utility mm, okay uh, okay you, you you seem un unsure about that <laughs> yeah like i, I, I want to go off script here because like all of a sudden like it, it raises some questions right uh, for example the as as you know for example blockchain gaming um um domains um although that's a poor example <laughs> um <laughs> um and a lot of these things they, they sort of existed you know in 2022 and they existed, they, a lot of the platforms that do a lot of these things kind of exist already as we speak. Like, what's the biggest difference between, you know, such a boom happening now and such a boom happening, say, 2023? Perhaps could it just be another case of, or in, in my opinion, what, what I feel is, could it just be that the, the main difference is just that there is more institutional money and very importantly, um, interest rates, especially in the U.S., stabilize, and there's all of a sudden there's there's cheaper money everywhere, or basically macroeconomic factors basically get better, and because of macroeconomic factors, all of a sudden people are less risk averse, and that helps these um, companies thrive. Is 
that's how it feels to me but you agree like how, how yeah i mean i still think that's that's the major thing to focus on this time around i mean you've mentioned the macro picture and we've recently had the fomc meeting um and it kind of sounds now like the market is pricing in uh rate interest rate reductions next year and also it's an election year and mm. uh, so we're likely to see more um quantitative easing and more liquidity in the system and a, and a, a stronger appetite for uh risk on assets so that's definitely one component and then you can look at the you know the bitcoin halving um as being a, a major driver the fact that um over 70 percent of bitcoin is now in the hands of long-term holders so you yeah. can look to supply supply shocks and um more recently the change or the um the future change to the uh financial accounting standards that were um uh, lobbied for by Michael Saylor, which come online at the end of next year. But that is going to allow major institutions to hold Bitcoin on their books without being penalised in, in accounting terms for doing so. Mm. So, um, And we haven't yet seen, really seen the arrival of uh, retail investors by based on a lot of metrics like Google Analytics and such um, stats and so on. So mm. that's yet to come. Um, so I, I kind of see it as a perfect storm of all of these things coming together. The utility aspect is a slightly different um, argument, but it, it's it's one that I see in terms of the the maturing of the space. Okay, okay, I I love that. Um, oh yeah, uh, in terms of maturing of the space, I, I, actually, there there's something you were just saying, and something I'm just realizing as we we're just exchanging. Like, what about the the fact that um there's still so much there's still so much correlation between the market's activity and stuff that happens in America. Isn't it a bit strange how how much you know activities that are that should be uniquely American actually like affects pretty much everything. Stuff like the election, you know, like you you're in the UK, I'm I'm in Nigeria. Like I shouldn't I shouldn't like, you know, be be you know, like on, on my heels about this stuff, but then I know that it actually matters. So do you think, you know, possibly next year is the year when that um that sort of wanes, that influence sort of wanes, especially given the fact that the SEC has had such a chokehold, you know, fighting crypto so much. Like what do you think about that? Yeah, it's kind of odd, isn't it? Um, you know, I mean I've wondered why, for example, jobs figures should matter a job to a, <laughs> a, a global industry like crypto. It's kind yeah. of insane on one level. I mean, and I don't know if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because everyone's watching and everyone's on Twitter spaces talking about what, what Jerome Powell's going to say and all the rest of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you've got this new crypto exchange M2 opening up in UAE. I think the balance of uh, of of power and influence is, is going to shift away from the US. Um, well, I mean, it very much depends on whether or not they come to the table with reasonable, you know, regulatory uh, structures or not. Because if they don't, then, you know, crypto is like water um, in the sense that it will find its own level. It's a global, uh, it's borderless. So if 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 the States pushes it too far, I mean, I'm sure they're already losing projects to um, Singapore and Hong Kong and UAE yeah. as we speak, and London even as we speak. So um and we've had Mika in um in the European Union so yeah. you know there's a, a certain sense in which there's uh, 
uh, regulatory arbitrage going on as well. If the states mm. don't want to come to the table with proper regulation, then um, the industry will find other hubs to gravitate towards. And I think that's already happening. Which is quite a shame, isn't it? Um, but but at the same time, I like I said, it's 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 always very strange, you know, like how so much of the narrative, sometimes so much of the hope, in quote, is is really hinging on, for example, what Jerome Powell says, and it's like, gosh, man, like it's 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 really uh, it's it's almost like some first first uh, what's what's the name main character? It gives off main character syndrome, which 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 has been like a huge theme of the twenty of the entire twentieth century. But I'm like, wow. Are we going to move into the decentralized age with this same mentality? And it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very bizarre. I haven't kind of thought about it deeply before, but you know, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of fascinating, really. It's it's probably worth returning to in terms of um thinking more deeply and writing about it or something. Yes, um, please. You should write about it. You yeah. should write about it. If you do, yeah. <laughs> if you do talk about the fact that you're inspired to hear. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, so aside from some de de Yankeeization, I, I just I just made that up, <laughs> uh, and a bit of um a bit of um utility and possibly you know of course a bit of a bull run on the horizon. What else do you feel could be a trend that we could look forward to in terms of technology? I think there's some technological trends that I might see pop up in my head, but are there any trends you you're looking forward to in particular in 2024 yeah well i mean i've already mentioned two trends mm -hmm. that i i think okay. that, you know and and maybe you're right maybe it's not this cycle but i think i definitely think decentralized social media um and I, you know i don't see a huge amount of evidence there's lens protocol and there's a few other things and we mm. had that sort of friend friend tech kind of experiment and all the rest of it but yeah when people talk about web3 they talk about Web3 through the lens of what Web2 is, yeah? And Web2 yeah. is um, has such influence over our over our lives, you know, and we're increasingly moving into this digital universe. And it's based on them maintaining gatekeeper status and choke points over data and our social graph and all the rest of it. So if we're talking about Web3 and what it really means, ultimately the primary use case for, for Web3 is to break Web2.0. So wow. where's the decentralized social media? Yeah, I, I, I see that as being just central to the whole shtick, really. You know what I mean? So that's wow. one. Blockchain blockchain gaming, I think, is a, is a no-brainer, but it's not about building blockchain games. It's about, it's about the, you know, AAA games implementing um, uh, whatever, uh, in-game assets, for example. So I think, really, we need a breakthrough AAA game on the blockchain rather than a blockchain game you know, like whatever, uh, Axie Infinity or that kind of stuff. So yeah. sooner, or, sooner or later, one of those is going to pop up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It's only a question that. of time. Maybe yeah. it's this cycle and, and maybe it's not. And then the third thing I would say, um, and um, I I don't do so because all the crypto bros are talking about AI now, but I think, I think and that is to say, not just because it's a kind of a narrative uh, driven thing, but um I, I believe there will be a, you know, we can call it an AI economy, basically, mm. um, you know, in this in in the same way that mm. there's a, a, you know, a content, a content, a social media economy, a content yeah. creators economy. And, and yeah. an AI economy is not going to run on fiat rails. That's one point. Mm. It's going to run on crypto rails. Mm. And 
the other thing is at the moment um i've called it ai 2.0 uh like wow. open ai uh, ironically open ai which started as an open project yeah is, is now a commercial pro project yeah. that is backed by microsoft so the problem we have again is the centralization of data and the centralization of power and with the virtuous cycle of these things getting exponentially more and more powerful and exponentially more and more ingrained in our lives the centralization of those ai resources is is like web 2.0 on steroids basically mm. so i so so what i call what i've been calling ai3 and this is just it's because it's nice what? to talk about is the same as web3 ai3 is web3 plus ai so i think a decentralized um infrastructure for ai is going to be increasingly important and i think it will become a, a big narrative well for the reasons i've suggested which is that ai is not going to run on on fiat rails it's going to run on crypto rails and we need a uh, some kind of decentralized plumbing which which web3 provides well you know you don't know, like the funny thing i have actually thought about this but i've never actually seen somebody dream up an entire ecosystem sort of built like that in fact did you did you just like did you just invent a buzzword ai 3.0 <laughs> yeah well maybe I've, I've written about it before on linkedin and no one's no one seems to have paid a great deal of attention it's just my way of trying to break down an idea Whoa. basically which is you know is is open ai and and uh google and and meta you you understand they're all moving over to ai driven search and and large language models and it's got so that is ai 2.0 you know ai ai one in this case just to take the analogy further, AI one was the kind of AI that yeah. we didn't even know existed. It's the stuff that's yeah. used against us in the algorithms. Yeah, you know, AI two is visible; it's above the surface. We're using the applications, but again, we're the commodity. We're the data set. You know, um, so yeah, AI three. Okay, let's call it that. Okay, you just got me pumped. Like wow, uh -huh. wow, wow, and. You know, um yeah i actually think i can see that because in the in the in the grant in the grand scheme of them we we picture um, web 3.0 as a web that's much smarter much autonomous and a lot of it like definitely has to be ai powered um you know oh yeah that that, that reminds me you said one thing one thing i want to touch on before we wrap up did you kind of because you sort of said that for for web two to sorry for web three to exist there might need to or sorry maybe web two might have to stop existing as it does currently does that sort of mean like web two and web three um, existing is a bit of a zero-sum game to you like longer term i don't think it works like that really i mean I, I, uh, people are already talking about web 2.5 which is you know web 2.0 <laughs> companies adopting aspects of yeah. web 3 and also web 3 sacrificing some of its decentralized nature you know and in reality quite a lot of web 3 is actually based on amazon web servers anyway you know so such a shame <laughs> uh, decentralization is a kind of continuum so I, I i don't see one replacing the other but certainly in terms of, of social media you know, we need to move beyond these gatekeepers controlling our social graph and um, unpersoning us if they don't like what we say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Okay, I, I fully agree with that. I can get on board with that. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Oh my, I think I, I just got a new buzzword and uh, I, I'm starting to think about, you know, what you just said about um you know the 
the intertwining of um, Web 2 and Web 3 elements, you know, of course, Web 2.5, but also what that means for Web 3. And especially like the future of how we interact with the internet, especially with something like social media that we tend to interact with like on a daily basis. All of that has to change. When all of that changes, that's when we have the real Web 3.0. And that's when, you know, utility is not just something we talk about. It's not just something that's conceptual, right? So I look forward to that. And I'm I'm quite confident, as you said today, that that's something we'll move closer to um, in 2024. Um, I I think you have some last thoughts. I I can I can feel it that you have a few thoughts to add to that, don't you? <laughs> no, you know I didn't really, but I'd, I'd I'd like to underline the fact that I think NFTs are a much bigger deal than the than people yes. are yes. envisaging they are at the moment. Yes. You know, it's not about yes. um, cartoon art. Yes, it's not even just about art uh, yeah. as in visual. Art. Frankly, yeah, it's about, it's about anything you can imagine. Yeah, um, you know, uh, everything from um, music to books, to ticketing, uh, to new forms of um, software as a service. Yeah. Everything, basically. So yeah. uh, electronic yes. trade documents, the whole the whole shebang. So yeah. if people think that NFTs is kind of like a fringe kind of gimmicky thing, I, I would encourage them to, to look a little deeper. Yeah, I, I, fully, I fully am on board with that. I, I think of NFTs as... Uh as basically proof of ownership, um, basically a secure mode of documentation for pretty much everything and everything is documented. So yeah, it's it's, it's really just that. So yeah, I, I look forward to that happening. I'm very sure we're much closer to that in 2024. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this talk. I've, I've really loved it. <laughs> I've enjoyed this and I, I can tell like a lot of people might, might um, have a word with you when they, they hear some of these things you've had to say. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming through. And um, for everyone who's still listening, this has been Brian Norton, a crypto writer or or Web3 writer. Perhaps I, I hate to say crypto writer. Yeah, but um, he's a writer and he's the publisher of Encrypto and a researcher um, who does lots of research to advance the crypto space. And you've been listening to Money Panda. Have a wonderful rest of the year. Um, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.